0: Father, we just thank you for who you are in Jesus Christ, and one of the attributes that you clearly state about yourself in your word is that you are love, not just fuzzy, warm feeling love, Lord, You're it's agape love, that's who you are, you are agape love, and Lord, once you uh, save us, uh, you give us your agape love, when you give us your Holy Spirit, and Lord, but there's a lot of confusion out there about what your love really is. And and so today, Lord, I ask through this text and through this study that, that you help to give us clarity about what agape love truly is. Because it's it's such an important thing, Lord, that that we, we know that we have that love and that we use that love to further your kingdom and to, to show love to others. And so, Lord, teach us the difference between uh, uh, what's some call sloppy agape and what's real agape, Lord. I ask you to do that today. As only you can do, Lord, is by the power of your Holy Spirit, as you open our ears and hearts to hear what you would teach us today. And I ask you to do that in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Back in 2015, the U.S. State Department uh, spokesman Marie Hara expressed the Obama administration's position on the solution for the ISIS problem. And I'm talking about ISIS. I'm talking about the Islamic State. And this is what she said. She said, we cannot win this war by killing them. We need in the medium term to go after the root cause that leads these people to join such groups. And listen to what she said. And that is the lack of opportunity for jobs. Doesn't that bother you a little bit? That that would be the Obama's, and I'm not picking on Obama today, but that that would be our president's solution for a very terrible problem known as ISIS. I like what Selwyn Duke of the New American uh, said about this. He gave this sarcastic quote of what a terrorist might say if if Marie Harris' delusion was true. Listen to what he said. He said, this is the Muslim speaking. I was going to behead you this morning, but I have to be at work in five minutes getting jobs for those people won't keep them from beheading people. They won't keep them from doing the evil things that they're doing because their root problem isn't that they're they're, They don't have jobs. Their root problem is that is that they're evil and that they're sinners and that they need a savior. And what I would call Obama's solution to that problem is what I call sloppy agape. And I don't want to pick on Obama because you can find sloppy agape in a lot of churches today. This idea that love is some gushy, warm feeling that we have for everybody. And if we'll just be nice to people and meet their physical needs, then they'll be nice to us and they'll become good people. Because basically, human beings are good. Is that what the Bible teaches no, not at all. And so that kind of love is not going to work. The problem with mankind is sin. And the sin issue has to be dealt with. And, and when people say that there are other ways to reach mankind, that there are other ways to heaven, that, there, that, uh, uh, there's, that there's no need for the gospel, there's no need for Christ, then they get themselves into a lot of trouble. Now... As we're going to see in our lesson today, and what John has been talking a lot about love, but the love that he's talking about in the text that we're looking at is not sloppy agape. It's the real thing. It's the agape that we should be exercising in our Christian walk. So I want to look at this text, and I want us to give some clarity to this definition of agape as we we look at uh, the text beginning in verse number 16. He says in verse number 16, he says, by this we know love. Now, that love there in verse number 16 of chapter 3 is agape love. How do we know love? Because he laid down his life for us. And watch this. Now, this is a pretty tough requirement here. So, and, so, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, we shouldn't be duped by those who teach this sloppy agape. Because as John says here, by this we know love. And so he's really saying, if you're a born again believer, you know about agape love. You know something about real love. How do you know something about real love? Because Christ died for us. When Christ died for us, and he gave us a way to salvation. And when we, re- when we receive that salvation, when we receive Christ into our hearts, Christ comes to live in our hearts. And Christ is love. He is agape love. And so if we have Christ living in us, then we know something about agape love because we have the charisma, John said earlier, we know all things. And one of the things you should understand if you're truly born again is Agape love You should know that it's agape love How do you know that you have agape love Well before you're born again You don't know anything about agape love You don't know how to love like Christ loved And that's one of the things That we're going to see That's again another one of these tests of salvation That you're truly born again When you get saved You know that you love differently From the way you loved before you were saved There's been a change in your heart there's been no change in your heart, then you're not saved. Now, there's, there, we, we're to know what agape love is, but there's really a lot of confusion about what it really is. And so, what I want to do today, and somebody, a couple of people have asked me, you know, could you really just define agape love? What is agape love? Well, one of the things I think, ways that I think we can define agape love by, by looking at what agape love is not. What does agape love not? Well, first of all, let's distinguish it between uh, the other types of love that the Bible mentions. Now, it's interesting because in the Bible uh, or before, in sources outside the Bible, you rarely see that term agape. It's 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 almost like a Christian invention, and the reason it, it's it's you see it in the Bible because it's the love of God, and it, without. Knowing God, you don't know agape love. But let me tell you what agape love's not, first of all. It's not eros love, erotic love. Eros love is physical lust. Lust for things, uh, lust for uh, food, lust for sex. When we say, I love a Big Mac, is that agape love? No. That's not even phileo love. That is uh, eros love. Now, then we get phileo love. Agape love is not phileo love. That gets close to phileo love. Phileo love is brotherly love. That's where we love those who love us. We love those who we have a relationship with. We love those who are kind to us. Uh, We get along with those who get along with us. That's phileo love. Now, all of us have eros love, a lot of eros love. Our society feeds on eros love. Look at all the commercials that you see on TV. And to some degree, all of us have phileo love. Some people love their families uh, more than others love their families. Some people get along with people who get along with them. Some people can't get along with anybody. But all of us, to some degree, have phileo love, and all of us have eros love. Well, agape love is different, and we know that it's different because, not because we've studied some definition or we've looked at a list of what agape love is and what it isn't, but because Christ lives in us. And when we were born again, we were put in a position where we could love others in a way we had never loved them before. You know, I, can, I, I, I know this in my own personal relationship, just with my relationship with my wife. I mean, I loved my wife before I was born again. I had a lot of phileo love for my wife. I had an awful lot of Eros love for my wife, but now I have agape love and that is totally different and it's so much better. Those other things are good. Don't get me wrong, but agape love I didn't have before I was born again. All right, let me tell you what else agape love is not. Agape love is not blind philanthropy like some people think. This idea that that you're to take all of your goods and all of your time and all of your money and you're to try to fix every problem in this world and you should feel guilty if you're not trying to fix every problem in this world. That is sloppy agape. That's not the agape love that the Bible speaks of. Remember what Paul said in that great love chapter in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 13? He says, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, and have not agape love, what did he say? It profits me nothing. Nothing. There's no profit in sloppy agape. There's no profit in just throwing everything you have at trying to fix every problem in this world. Because what you're going to find when you have agape love, agape love is led by who? It's led by God. It's given to you by God. And so when you have agape love, God guides the way you love others. You just don't blindly go out and create things in order to help other people. Look, it's great to help other people. And if you're a born-again believer, God's going to give you ways to help other people. But you let God direct that. You don't direct God and ask him to bless that. So, so it's not blind philanthropy. Look, agape love doesn't mean that we don't exercise discipline. I mean, there's a lot of people that think, man, if you exercise discipline, you're not being loving. If you're a parent and you, and you spank your child, then you don't love that child. Let me tell you, it's just the opposite. If you, don't, if you don't discipline your children, you don't love your children. You don't love your children enough. You certainly don't love them with agape love. Because God disciplines those whom he loves. Why? So he can make us better people. So he can make our lives better. And, and it's real easy and real lazy not to discipline your children or to discipline those who work with you or, or, or whatever situation you're in where you have authority, you're to exercise discipline. And, and to say it's love, not to discipline people, is totally wrong. Another thing is, and, and listen to this, agape love doesn't mean that we don't get angry when we're wrong. The Bible says, be angry, be angry. You know, anger is a gift of God. It's part of the personality that God gives you. He wants you to be angry. He wants you to be angry at injustice. He wants you to be angry at sin. The Bible says be angry and what? Sin not. Well, let me tell you what. God gets angry. You know God gets angry with you? He's never been angry with me, but he gets angry with you. <laughs> I think he stays angry at me sometimes all the time. No, I don't. I'm joking there. But he does get angry. Let me tell you what, for devotional reading today, go read the book of Hosea, the one we just studied on Wednesday night, and see how angry God gets. You know how angry he got at the nation of Israel? He totally destroyed their their homes and their cities and, and killed their children and killed a lot of the people and took them off into captivity for thousands of years. Just back in 1949, the northern kingdom got back into that land. People, uh, and, uh, Descendants of those, of, th- of those who went into captivity just now are getting back into that land. That's how angry God was. So it's certainly not wrong. It's, it, it, love sometimes means that you get angry. If you love the Lord and you see people dissing the Lord... Cursing the Lord doesn't that make you angry? Should make you angry. Love includes anger. Agape love does it right along those lines. Agape love doesn't mean that you don't seek justice when you're when you're wronged, and you don't seek restitution when you're wrong. This is, some people think you know somebody's wronged me, and, and I'm, I'm not supposed to be uh, repaid for that wrong. That's then that's you you need to study. Uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and look at the law because that expresses the heart of God and he, and he had all sorts of plans for restitution and justice. You look in the New Testament and you'll see God's plan for justice. Jesus talked about justice in chapter 18 of Matthew how in a church you get justice. God is just and, and we should be just and, and God seeks justice and we should, should seek justice. Here's another big one. And, and, and these people that are teaching sloppy agape, you know, say, hey, man, don't put people down about their sin. Everybody's kind of free to do what's right in their own eyes. I mean, agape love isn't this idea that we wink at sin, that we don't call sin what it is. We, on the contrary, we do call sin what it is. Paul put it like this in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. In other words, when we see sin and God calls it sin, we, we say it's sin. We expose it as sin. We don't deny that it's sin because we want to be loving to people. We do want to be loving to people, and we don't have the right to condemn people. We don't have the right to judge people. God is the judge. But we do call sin, sin. When, what the Bible says is sin, we call it sin. Let me tell you what else agape love is not. It is not ecumenicalism. It is, that's not what it is. This idea, and there's a lot of popular books out there promoting this cause of ecumenicalism. This idea that we've got a fellowship with other believers regardless of their theology is totally wrong. That is not agape love. In fact, the Bible is full of passages against fellowshipping with people who are out of line with the word of God. If just flip over to John chapter uh, uh, second John or the second epistle of John and look down at verse number 10. We'll be looking at this in a, in a few years, in a few months, a few weeks hopefully. Verse number 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive them into your house nor greet them. And the primary doctrine he's talking about is, is the deity of Jesus Christ. But any false doctrine, if people, if there are churches out there teaching false doctrine, I'm not saying we don't love those people and forgive those people and we're not kind to those people, but we don't fellowship in their false teaching. We don't fellowship in their heresy. And if you associate with those kind of churches, that's exactly what you're doing. So that's not agape love. To just, hey, we're going to, every church in town, we're going to all be buddies. That's not agape love. Agape love is forgiving them for their era, but not fellowshipping with them in their era. Let me tell you what agape love is, and also it's not universalism, which a lot of false churches are teaching. This idea that all ways lead to heaven, that all roads lead to heaven that there's no need really for the blood of Jesus Christ because eventually everybody's going to get saved. The Muslims are going to get saved. The, The Jehovah's Witnesses are going to get saved. The Mormons are going to get saved. Everybody's going to get saved. Well, God loves this world. That's true. But he also hates sin, and sin and error are not going to enter into heaven. And if you want to embrace those things, let me tell you where you're going to end up. You're going to end up in hell. Hell in some respect is love because if all of that stuff is brought to heaven then heaven becomes hell and heaven is pure and it's sinless and it's perfect and that's the way we want it to be and God loves this world and he loves the people of this world but he hates error. and I'll tell you what he hates the most he hates this idea that there's some other way to heaven other than Jesus Christ don't you understand the the stupidity of that, the gall of that, to say that Christ did not have to get on that cross and die, that there's somehow some, through your works or something, you can make yourself righteous. Why would God come to this world as a babe in Bethlehem and get on a cross and die if there was some other way? There is no other way. And so to say God loves so much that he, everybody's going to make it to heaven is heresy, is heresy. And so, it's not love. Now, those are just some of the things. I could give you more, but there are just some of the things that, that agape love is not. But now let's look at what agape love is. Let me tell you first of all what it is. It's divine love. It is supernatural love. It is powerful love. If you're not born again, if you're in this room today and you're not born again, you don't know what agape love is. There's no way you can know what it is. But you have eros love and you have phileo love. And I know some people who aren't born again that are some of the kindest people, kinder than a lot of people I know in the church. But they don't understand agape love. You can't understand agape love unless you have agape love. And really you don't understand it then, you just know you have it. And so it's supernatural love. And it's, it's not some feeling. Now, now I, I certainly, there have been times when the love of God has come upon me that I've felt the very presence of God. And I felt a joy and peace in a situation like that that is, that is just unbelievable. So there is some feeling to it, but that's not the main thing. I remember one time, and I've, I've shared this with you before, I was in this class. Uh, uh, taught by a Church of Christ minister on the book of Romans and this guy was butchering the book and man I was fighting with these people and arguing with these people every single night and he told me if you argue anymore we're kicking you out of the class and I came the next week when the class came I was ready to get kicked out (laughs) and I went in there armed to the bear and I was going to show those dudes up and tell them how they were all going to hell (laughs) and I was sitting there and I was all mad and I was ready to get them and then this strange feeling came over me. And it was the supernatural agape love of God. And all of a sudden, I had tears in my eyes. Instead of hating these people, I was weeping for these people. And their era and, their, and, their, and, their, and the fact that they weren't getting this and they were probably never going to get this and they were going to end up in hell. And, and I felt God's heart for them. Yeah, it was a good feeling, but it's much more than just—it's much more than just uh, some feeling. It's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's love in action. It changes what you do. I mean, it's love that, that that action. It's love in action, and that action is empowered by God. It's empowered and directed by God, by the Spirit of God. Let me tell you what else agape love, agape love that we're told in the Bible is the fruit of the Spirit. In over in ch- chapter five of Galatians, Paul says, "This is the f- the fruit of the spirit is love." And if you look at the word fruit, we can use that as singular or plural. But if you look at it in the Greek, it's singular. So it's referring to one thing. It says, "The fruit of the spirit is love." And then it tells you the things that love bears, and it and love is patient, and it's long suffering, and it's kind, and it's good, and it's faithful, regardless of the gender of the person, regardless of their social status, regardless of their right race, we're kind to them. We love them. We're good to them. We're faithful to them. And Paul even gets more specific and you can go back and look at this. I mean, we won't turn there now, but in that great love chapter, chapter 13 of first Corinthians, he says, listen to what he says. And, and, and I mean, just, you know, this is, this is, this is a picture of Christ. And so you have to have Christ in you to have this love. But listen to what he says. He says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own, but it seeks the need of others. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil of people. It does not rejoice in iniquity. You don't rejoice when someone falls, but it rejoices in the truth, the truth of God. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. That's agape love. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You can't create that. It only comes by the fruit of the Spirit. You know, agape love is empathetic love. It it means we exercise empathy. What's empathy? It's when we put ourselves in someone else's shoes and we relate to their distress. We relate to their Problems. We feel for them. It's empathetic love. One night years ago, about probably five or six years before Eli and Kaylee got married, we were eating over at Chick-fil-A on Wednesday night. Now, over there, here's Burgersmith on Wednesday night. Over there we used to eat at Chick-fil-A every Wednesday night. And we were over at Chick-fil-A one night and it was it was late. It was, it was right before they were closing, about 9 30. And it was cold outside, and it was raining, and I was sitting across from Kaylee at a window, at, the, at, at a seat by the window, and Eli and Nathan, I think, had gone to get an ice cream or something, and we were just sitting there, and, and I looked outside, and there was this black man with his daughter. I, I assumed it was his daughter. She was about 10 or 11 years old, and they were cleaning the windows of the, of the Chick-fil-A. It was a school night, but she was out there cleaning with her dad, helping her dad, and I really felt sorry for the little girl. You know, I mean, I mean, having, the, the fact she had to do that, and, and uh, it was cold, and it was damp, and, and I wish you know, there was some way I could help her, and I looked over at Kaylee, and Kaylee had tears running down her eyes, and she was crying, and I said, Kaylee, what's wrong, and she shook her head she, like I don't want to talk about it, and I said, Kaylee, are you crying because that little black girl's out there, and she's having to, to, to work with her dad on a school night, and and uh, uh, is, that, is that why you're crying? And she shook her head, yes. That's when I knew Kelly was a keeper. <laughs> that, that's, that's when I, that's my daughter-in-law, by the way. That's when I knew that, that, that she, I, I didn't want Eli to ever find another girl but her. Fell in love with that little girl that night because she had empathy, because she cared. There was nothing we could really do. Now, empathy should move you to do something. We would have just hurt their feelings if we had said something to them, you know, or said, well, sorry, you're having to do this, or let me give you 50 bucks, you know, to help you, you know. That just what, I mean, the guy was doing the right thing. At least he was providing for his daughter. But we felt, Kelly felt for him because she didn't have to do that. She was privy to a better life than that little girl, and she felt for her. We should feel for people. You know, Christ, over and over again in the Gospels, it talks about how he had compassion. And he was moved to help others. He had compassion on the blind and he gave them sight. He had compassion on the sick and he he gave them health. He had compassion on the leper and he cleansed the leper. He had passion, even when he was preaching to the multitudes, he heard their stomachs growling and that they were hungry. And he had this compassion on them, this empathy for them. And so he went out and he fed them with two fish and five loaves of bread. Because of that compassion. And if Christ is in us, we're not going to be able to help everybody like Christ helped everybody. As a group, we can. But as an individual, we're probably not going to be able to do all the things Christ did. But let me tell you, there is something bad wrong in our souls if we call ourselves Christians and we don't have empathy for other people. We should at the very least have empathy for other people. Let me tell you something else agape love is. It's unmerited love. It's unmerited love. We help people who don't deserve to be helped. Isn't that the gospel? I mean, what's Paul say in Romans 5 eight that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did, did he wait till we deserved it before he died for us? Did he wait till we deserved it before he saved us? No, he saved us when we didn't deserve it. He chased us down when we were running from him. It's... Agape love is unmerited love. That's why Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, pray for those who persecute you. Give to him who asks. In other words, He doesn't say give to him who deserves it or pray for him who, who is kind to you. He says, pray for them who persecute you. Pray for those who don't deserve it. Give to them who don't deserve it. Look, if you wait around trying to help people that you think deserve it, that's just an excuse, and you're not going to be helping many people. you got to help people even if they don't deserve it. That's agape love. And finally, and this is what he's telling us all the way back to verse 16 now. We're coming back home. And finally, he tells us in this verse that agape love is sacrificial love. It's sacrificial love. Who gave us the best example? Jesus himself. Look at verse number 16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. He sacrificed his life for us. And then he says, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Wow. I'm glad he says we ought to. And not we better, you better lay down your life for your brethren. There's a lot of people in this room that would lay down their life for one of their children or one of their close friends, but for somebody you don't even know, somebody who doesn't deserve it, somebody you don't even like. But we ought to be willing to do that. And there is this spirit in us, this Holy Spirit in us, who is agape love, who gives us that desire sometimes to help people To maybe even want to lay down our life for people that don't deserve it. But the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And I doubt many of us are going to be put in that position where we're going to even have to do that. And so what he says, look at the next verse. He says, at the very least, you're probably not going to lay down your, your, your life for your brothers. But at the very least, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love, the agape love of God abide in him? If you can shut your heart up to somebody who's hurting, how does agape love abide in you? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Who's that remind you of? Exactly what James says, isn't it, over in James chapter 2. He says, if a brother or sister is naked or destitute of daily food, And what if you says to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled? But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Why is the faith dead? Because there's no love in it. There's no agape love in it. Agape love is empathy. It's empathy and sacrifice that moves you to help others. It's compassion in action. And if you don't have that, you've got to question. And again, it's one of those, those tests of whether or not you're truly saved. Because look at verse number 19, what he says. He says, and by this, by helping others with agape love, we know that we're of the truth. We know that we're saved. And assure our hearts before him. Look, you don't get saved by doing good works. Anybody tells you that's a heretic. You don't get saved by doing good works. But good works give you the assurance that you are saved. You know, when I find myself wanting to help someone I would have never helped before I got saved. When I find myself turning my cheek, there's there's been some times somebody's come up to me and they've said something to me. You know, as pastor, you criticize all the time, and they've said something to me. i got to tell you, before I was saved, I would have been h- hitting them right in the nose. And all of a sudden, I don't even get mad. Now, you know, I don't always do that, but sometimes I do. And I walk away from that incident where I don't lose my temper and I don't get mad. I actually have love for the person. I'm kind to the person. And I say to myself, wow, that's not me. That's Christ in me. And I get excited because it's an assurance that I'm saved. When you go out and help somebody, when you create some kind of work of your own and you go out and do it, you're going to be absolutely miserable doing it. And you're doing it probably for the wrong reasons. But when God directs you into a work, He directs you into a place in your life where you can help someone and you actually help those people, it's a great feeling. And you get this feeling of joy and you get this feeling of peace. And you know why you do? Because you have confidence in your relationship with God. You find joy, the joy and peace that you're looking for because your hearts are assured before him. For But, you know, if you don't always help people and you don't always do the right thing, it doesn't mean you're saved. Look at verse number 20. But if our heart condemns us, I'm changing that to but because I think that's what the conjunction should be there. But if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. You know what? When we're not helping others as we should, it doesn't mean we've lost our salvation. We're not going to feel saved but God knows we're, if we're saved. And, and, and God, I don't think, wants us to feel saved when we're not being obedient to him and we're not showing agape love. But I see people who I'm pretty doggone sure are born-again Christians, and they don't help people as they should. And they don't have maybe turned their cheek as they should. And, and, and maybe at home with their wives or with their husbands, they, they don't act the way they should. And, 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 but I know they're saved. But then I, you talk to those people, they don't know they're saved. They feel condemned. They feel like, man, God's mad at them all the time, and maybe he is, because they're not acting the way they should act. But, but what I tell them, get, come out from yourself. Don't be so self-centered. Find what God wants you to do. Get, ask God to help you to be kinder. Ask God to, to show how you can show kindness to others. And I promise you, that's a question, that's a, a prayer he will always answer. And he will give you ways to show kindness to others. You come out from yourself, from your self-centered life, and you begin to, to let God use you and, and express agape love through you. You're going you're to have confidence in your faith. You're going to know that you're saved. Because look at verse 21. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. If we're suffering others with agape love, the supernatural love of God, we feel this confidence instead of feeling condemnation. But our problem is we got so many things going in our life, so many self-centered things going in our life, that we don't express agape love. Look, I've yet to find a TV show that will give you confidence in your relationship with God. I've yet to find a movie or a restaurant, or a hobby, or a sport, or anything that will give you confidence in your relationship with God, like serving others will, like expressing agape love to others will. If you're doubting your salvation, hey, get out and help others, and you'll have confidence toward God. And man, look at the French fence of having confidence before God. And whatever we receive from Him, no, whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. You got that? y'all, y'all read that first part of that? Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. How many of you can raise your hand? Don't raise your hand. How many of you can say, that every time you pray, you get, God gives you what you ask for. How many of you can say that honestly and not be a lie? If you ask for a lot of stuff like I ask for, then you find out He doesn't give you everything you ask for, but He will. If we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So, Hey man, I want my prayers answered. I want my prayers answered. I want to receive whatever I ask. So what do I do? I keep his commandments. What are his commandments? You want to see what his commandments are? Verse 23. And this is his commandment. He says, we keep his commandments plural. Now, now if I were an English teacher, and I was looking at this verse, I said, John, you need to really work on your grammar because you don't get the plurals and the, and the, and the, the singulars right here. Uh, you make a mess of things. Because in verse 22, he says, because we keep his commandments, and then he tells us what his commandments are. He said, this is his commandment, singular. But then he gives us two commandments, <laughs> that we should believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ. That's one commandment. And number two, that we should love one another and this just to confuse us more and he says as he gave us this commandment singular so john is it commandments or is it commandment which is it well it really is singular it really is a singular commandment and let me show you how you can figure that out you remember the commandment that jesus gave his disciples right before he went to the cross he's and we've quoted this in the last few weeks a couple of times, but listen to what he says in John 13. He says, a new commandment, singular, I give you that you love one another. That's a great commandment. How many of you want to love one another? But I I know you do, but he had to mess it up. I'm not saying Jesus messed it up, but he messed it up for me. As I have loved you. Dude. I can't do that. What are you doing? This is a commandment. All these people want to be under law. This is the commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. That's exactly what John's saying. That you love one another. He doesn't add as Jesus loved you, but he really does. Back in verse number 16, he says, and this, by this we know love because he has laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. That's really what he's saying. You're to love them as I've loved you. Man, I can't do that. That's why you got to go back to the other commandment that makes up this one commandment. What's the other commandment? That you believe on the name of Jesus Christ. That's the other commandment. You remember... Back in John chapter 6, when Jesus had fed the 5,000 and man, everybody wanted to make him king and they were rushing to make him king and they ran after Jesus. They followed him across the lake and they came to him and they said, hey, we want to make you king. you You remember what Jesus said to him? He said, the reason you're seeking me, is to fill your bellies. You're seeking a king that's going to give you, fulfill your eros love. That's what you're seeking. And then he said to them, he said, do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And they said, hey, we want that food too. So what works must we do in order to get it? And you remember what Jesus said, again, using the plurals and the singular. They said, what works must we do? And he said, this is the work of God. This is your work more than anything else, that you believe on him whom the Father has sent. You believe on me. See how that's one commandment? You understand how that's one commandment? Let me tell you how that's one commandment, because when you believe you love when you are trusting in Christ. You're loving the natural outflow of your faith is love. The more you believe, the more you love the reason that we struggle with our love is because we struggle with our faith. And, and the reason we struggle with our faith is because we put ourselves in the place of Christ. We become the captain of our souls. We, we might do it and call it ministry. We determine what we're going to do. We don't let Christ determine what we're going to do. We determine what we're going to do. And, and, and we lack love. And. The second reason is we allow all sorts of idols into our life that mess with our faith, that mess with our relationship with God. And when our relationship with God is weak, our love for others is weak. That's why John says you look at the very last verse of this epistle. He says, little children, if I can tell you anything else, keep yourself From idols. We don't do it. We don't do it. We live in a world full of idols. Things that draw us away from Jesus Christ. If we're lacking in love. And you want to love people the way God wants you to love people. You got to remove some of those idols. You got to spend some time with him. You got to grow in your faith you got to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You don't work to love. You love because you work to believe. The more you believe, the more you love. That love is a natural outflowing of the Holy Spirit. So you want all your prayers answered? You want confidence in your relationship with God, and let me tell you what: you're not going to have joy and peace with God if you are. You're not going to have joy and peace in life if you don't have confidence in your relationship with God. They go hand in hand. Then keep His commandments. His commandment is one. It's one that requires two things. Only one thing from you. This is the work that you must do. You must believe on the one whom God has sent. You must work on your relationship with God. And then you will love. And you'll serve others. And you'll live with the sure conviction that you're eternally saved. And you'll live with the awareness of the very presence of God. It's a great deal. Take it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your love and what agape love is. It's an impossible thing without us, without you. We can't do it, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit to fill us, to empower us, so that we care for others in the way that you care for others, so that we're willing to lay our life down for others, to lay our needs aside, to... Help others to esteem others better than ourselves Lord. we can only do that by the power of your Holy Spirit and I thank you for the, the fact that we have that help us all to to take heed to this message and to work on our faith Lord to work on our belief to work on our relationship with you so that we become greater lovers of mankind Lord, we just ask for all of that in Christ's name I pray amen
1: to die, poured out for all mankind, God's only Son, the perfect and spotless One, He never sinned, but suffered as if He did.
0: John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. His body was broken. His blood was shed for what? So that we could become new creatures, new creations in Christ Jesus. People who know love. And not Eros love or Phileo love. We already knew all about that. But agape love. His divine love, His supernatural love, His powerful love. And you know, we come to this table to honor the Lord for what He's done, but there's no better way to honor the Lord and to remember the Lord than by loving others with agape love. No better way. Paul says, for this reason, Paul says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's close in a song.
1: blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Everyone overcome. Father, we confess that body and that blood this morning. Yes, we Confess with our mouths this morning
0: Guys. Have a good week.